1: Hey everyone, this is David. Let's get right into it today. Welcome back behind the Velvet Rope because we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Ashley Parker Angel. What's up? Thanks for having me on. Happy Friday. What is going on? How are you doing today? Tell me everything. Terrific.
0: I just got back from the gym. I'm feeling good. I got a cup of coffee here, which I live off of. Are you a coffee drinker? I know you're a coffee. I am such a coffee drinker. I want them. I need that mug. I collect mugs. I want one.
1: Listen, if everybody loves this mug. And I'm not just this isn't like my shameless plug. But I don't know why if I knew I you you will get a mug, Ashley. But thank you. Thank you.
0: I appreciate I'll buy a mug. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll purchase one.
1: I'm not letting you purchase a mug. So you can try to purchase a mug. I'm gonna block you from that. I, I will send you a mug.
0: I love it. It's I fun. drinking coffee chatting together. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well listen, I feel so much better. I mean, you are the fitness guru. So if you say coffee consumption is okay, which I have questions about that later in the show, I already feel better. So listen, I do want to talk about, you know, your current job and like high-level performance academy and all of that. Of course, you just came from the gym. But before we get there, I like to start at the beginning. You know, I say to people, the next time you come on, we don't need to go over the old ever again. But since this is our first time together, so here's my first question. You know, when you said yes and went and auditioned for a show called making the band did you ever think you would be here all these years later having done so many different things in your life no way no way
0: i had no i had no idea to answer your question because i was like you know i was from a very small town redding california which is about an hour away from chico california if you know where that's at and just born and raised in a very small tight-knit community. And, you know, I was lifeguarding at the time. I was working two part-time jobs. I was riding my bicycle everywhere. I was just trying to make it, you know, and making the band, there, there was literally nothing like it. It was the precursor to all these shows that you see now. I mean, The Voice, American Idol, they were inspired by making the band. So to answer your question, no, it launched a journey that I never could have imagined.
1: I mean, that was my point, you know, because like you couldn't say, well, you know, look at Kelly Clarkson, look at Carrie Underwood, look what American Idol did. Like, how was this show like pitched to you or like, you know, when you heard about it, like, did you understand like really what it was and what it was possibly going to do?
0: No, not at all. I mean, in fact, I thought it was a scripted show, the way it read on the breakdowns at the time that it's like starting from a little tiny acting studio. There were three things in my life I loved, fitness, music and acting. And I had a job at World's Gym and I was working with a personal trainer and I was trying to get in shape and start an entertainment career. And here this audition comes through that read like a scripted show because reality TV hadn't broken out to the major networks yet. There was really right. just real world on MTV. So sent in my audition tape. I sang I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys on my guitar. And one thing led to another. And like About eight weeks later, I moved to Florida. And never so you, went back.
1: You know what? If you chose like maybe a new kids or an sync song, you may not. You may not have never made it onto the show,
0: right? It was. It was all I wanted that way, which was cool because years later, I got a chance to work with Max Martin on my solo career and my solo album. We'll get into that. That's later.
1: So you get there, and I mean, when I mean, I, I assume you figured out pretty early on that this was a reality show and not a scripted show.
0: Yeah, yes. Figured that out when, when cameras sh- showed up at my parents' house.
1: So what was, I mean, look, you obviously made it far and you made it to the end. Like, what was like that whole experience like? Because I mean, like you said, it really was the real world and like early reality TV. You know, like what was it like back then? Like really not knowing what to do and what to compare it to.
0: It was so intense because we were put through the ringer, so to speak, just ex- You know, they had fine-tuned the process of Backstreet and In Sync. This was going to be the TV version. You had Lou Pearlman there with a panel of judges. They're critiquing you on dance, on vocals, on stage presence. And then once we moved into the house, which was, of course, that real-world spin, lots of drama, lots of boy band drama, even before it was eight guys in the house, and then five guys were going to get picked from that, you know, cranking up the reality TV drama there. And it was just, honestly, it was... A lot of it is a blur, but it was very, you know, you're living in a highly produced, highly manufactured situation where every move is caught on camera, hidden microphones in the house, hidden
1: cameras. So it was a lot. And like a lot of it is just a blur, which I mean, is totally understandable.
0: It's, I mean, you know, I have like very specific memories. And the thing is like, I can jog my memory by just going back and watching three seasons of Making the Band. You know what I mean? I mean, but we, just to put it in perspective, there was, this was an experiment. So when you go on The Voice or you go on American Idol, there's already a record label attached. I mean, they might even have ideas on what your single is going to be because they've got professional songwriters and producers and everybody's attached. We had a whole season on Making the Band we didn't even have a record deal yet. It wasn't until the end of it it aired and it was on like the 20th episode. And then Clive Davis um, signed us. But, you know, I was, I felt like I spent a lot of that time always really thinking about the next thing. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of, you know, entertainment careers move quickly. And I knew that when it happened. And as soon as I got, it was a lot of uncertainty, even when we're in it about would this work? Because uh, Backstreet and Sync were these superstar boy bands. And there was a question was like, this is towards the end of boy bands. Is this even gonna, sp- maybe it'll be a great TV show, but maybe it won't be a successful music group. Um, there was just a lot of uncertainty about it. And so I spent a lot of that time getting a Hollywood agent, um, trying to hone my craft as a songwriter, making inroads with producers and, and, and building my network because it didn't feel like a sure shot. There was a lot of questions about it.
1: And that was all like, while you were still on the show, it wasn't like, wait, there's Justin Timberlake and like, oh my God, I'm still on this show. It's weak, whatever. Holy shit. Life is going to change. It was like, okay, this could change my life, but I may, it may not.
0: This could change, but this also might not work. And there was, again, there was no record deal. We were trying to get a record deal while the TV show was on the air. It was on ABC network here's this making the band show that comes out and people are watching it. We didn't even have a record deal. We didn't even have a single yet. It was, it was a very much an experiment. And I think for that reason, I, again, I was always trying to think about like, what's the next thing. And I think in, if you're smart about your entertainment career, you're always trying to think about like how, you know, what is that next step in my entertainment career? How do I use this to keep going?
1: I would agree with that too. My advice to anyone is never rest on your laurels. And that's just how this business works. No. And
0: And can I share with you one of the best pieces of advice? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Because it works for entertainment careers, but it also works for any careers that you always want to interview or audition. We'll call it interview. You always want to interview for the next job while you have your current job. That's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever got because a lot of people wait until they lose the job and then they scramble to try to get the next one. So I was told that at a young age and I feel like I brought that mentality to making the band in O-Town.
1: I would agree with all of that. So when, you know, so then there is this perception that after the show, like you're right, like you signed right away with Clive Davis and, you know, like your first single goes to number one with O-Town, like. It, there is a perception like it just happened overnight. Like, is that true? Like the show ended, you signed, and then you were like uber famous overnight, or is that, am I missing a lot of steps?
0: No, it happened in about 22 episodes of Making the Band airing on ABC. And by the end of it, we had gotten this unbelievable legend in music, Clive Davis. He had just started J Records, and it was uh, Alicia Keys, Boat Town and Maroon 5, and those were the three bands that he signed when he started this new label, and all of a sudden, yeah, we went from Liquid Dreams to then, you know, All or Nothing, which I got up on the wall here, it's a number one single, and all of a sudden, you know, I do think because we had the TV show, it really separated us from the pack, you know, it was very much this new this new emerging world of reality TV drama that had not really been a network—it's crazy to think about it now because reality TV is just everywhere. Yeah, but it was the first major. It was the first major network to pick up a reality show like this, right behind Survivor. It was Survivor and making the band, and so really experimental in a lot of ways. Seeking the truth never gets old.
1: You know, everyone always asks me like how I deal with the internet trolls, like all the listeners who have something to say about the housewives and leave negative comments all day on Instagram. Listen, I have to tell you, I'm really serious when I say that the comments don't bother me at all. And the only reason why is because I've worked on my mental health. I mean, mental and physical health, there's really nothing more important because when you work on yourself and you have that clear mind nothing can bother you, you're comfortable, you're happy inside. And the long-term effects of therapy and working on your mental health really can help strengthen your relationships and give you a more positive outlook on life. And for my mental health, I've turned to Talkspace because listen, first of all, it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy, but really I love that I can reach out to my therapist and get my therapy and work on myself from anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait for an appointment or go into an office. And their licensed therapists are trained to handle just a variety of specialties. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. What was it like like when you did then like break out and it was like, you know, as the show was airing and it was like uber fame? You know, I've talked to a lot of people that have a lot of different Re- relations to fame you know like right away some people are like it's amazing like why the hell and other people have lots of other things to say about it
0: yeah it's that's a great question and you know who explains this really well uh, is Russell Brandt and he talks about how when you become famous you actually split into two different versions of yourself and this is true you know you are now a this entity that's out in the world, it's this persona you have, it's actually separate from who you are as a person. Cause then you have your, you're just yourself, your normal self, who you've always been. And it it is weird. It's like this, it's like this personality split occurs. Um, And it is a lot of pressure because once you, especially I was young, I was just turning 18. When you achieve success and fame at that age, You know, what they don't tell you is once you become that successful and famous, you're always going to compare yourself to that and you're going to feel a pressure to keep it going. Now that you're that successful, you're going to want to continue being that successful. And that's why I think you see and I've experienced with a lot of very close friends, you see a lot of fame can cause a lot of depression and anxiety and a lot of substance abuse issues and all kinds of psychological issues that people have to work through because there is this darker underbelly to dealing with fame.
1: Yes. I, I agree with all of that. And it's, especially when you have it at a young age and then you're chasing something. So like. Did you, like you said, like, you know, your first single goes to number one. Like, did you appreciate not even the fame, but just like, you know, you, t- you say, like, look at what we have on the wall here. Like, did you appreciate, like, look, some people work their whole lives for that level of success? Like, you were 18. Like, I don't think I knew anything at 18. Like, did you appreciate it? Like, oh my God. Or was it just like, this is cool? No, I
0: loved it. I absolutely was just like, I couldn't believe sort of that it had happened the way it did. And as fast as it did Um, just growing up in a completely, I was completely so far away from the entertainment industry in Hollywood, where I grew up in the type of family I grew up in, you know, come from just a real salt of the earth background that to be in, you know, to be in Hollywood and have a Hollywood agent now, and I'm going on movie auditions and my very first movie audition I booked And they offered me the role and Clive Davis was like, you can't take time off to do a movie. You're in O-Town and I'm getting all these opportunities. And it's like, what is happening to my life? Like it was almost surreal. Surreal is the perfect word to describe what it was. It
1: was like living through a dream in a way. And did you go down to, like you say, it is like two split personalities, like what you put out to the world and yourself. And then like, I think a lot of the substance of use in a sense comes from like, you lose yourself, right? Like you don't know who you are and, and you're chasing, like, did you go? And I think you also believe the hype. So I guess this is like a multifaceted question. Like, you know, did you believe the hype? Like, did you lose yourself of like, you know, you had a million people screaming at you winning all these awards. Like, it's, it's like, it's okay. If your ego got involved, Ashley.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And, and I'll be totally real with you. When O-Town disbanded, you know, O-Town broke up. And right. I I had pivoted very quickly into a solo record deal on Universal. And Larry Rudolph, who's Britney Spears's manager, um, he signed me. Now I've got Britney Spears' manager. I've got this new record deal. And then MTV found out about it. And they pitched me a new reality show. Because making the band was the in-sync. Backstreet Boys TV version, and Justin was going solo, so let's follow a guy going solo now, and I wasn't sure I wanted to do another reality TV show, but I decided to because it was incredible exposure, and then that was a hard, that was very hard, trying to break out of O-Town. It was very important for me to be taken seriously outside of the group. I co-wrote every song on my album, and I, I really went a different direction musically, the style um, I had, but my album came out top five on Billboard, and I had a big single called "Let You Go." But I all of a sudden was living this—I was living this rock star lifestyle where I was living out of my suitcase, and I was trying so hard to prove myself. And I was away from home, and I just got really depressed, and I got very sad, and I started turning to a lot of the unhealthy behaviors that you can think of that go along with the rock star lifestyle. And I started turning to drugs and alcohol, and truthfully. And this is where fitness comes in for me as I realized and I was looking around and I was seeing a lot of my peers that were going that direction and had a couple close friends that I knew in the industry that also committed suicide. Um, famous Jet Jackson from Disney Channel was one of them. And, you know, you see sometimes this fame happens at a young age and you're getting this validation from the world. And then all of a sudden the plug gets pulled on that. And it makes people, it makes people go crazy. And I started realizing that I I was chasing something that was um, in a lot of ways was, was turning to unhealthy behaviors for me. And I decided because I had this fitness background, I kind of lost it at that time. I decided to go, I chose health. I chose fitness. I got cleaned up and I wrote full force into my fitness journey. And I think a lot of people don't know that about me. That's why I'm so addicted to fitness. Is it it, I feel so good living this healthy lifestyle. For me, it's mental and it's emotional. It's not just a physical look. Um, that's a secondary benefit, in my opinion. The primary benefit to exercise is your mental and emotional peak state. And people don't realize that about, about exercise. So many people think it's just about six pack abs. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes, yes, to all of that. I agree with all of that. No, it's true. I mean, I... We're going to get into it all. But I agree. I mean, when I skip the gym for whatever reason, it's like, I tell people, I'm like, this is so mental. Like, I, I always say, like, I, I don't know what I would be if I didn't go to the gym in the morning. Like I would, the rage that I would have in my life. And I'm like a nice, happy person. I just, it's like, it's my therapy. It's like, it's like, it's amazing. It is.
0: You are speaking my language. You are speaking my language, David. It's like, it, it exercises therapy. And exercise is medicinal and and people don't, that's why doctors are prescribing it in place of antidepressants because exercise behaves in the brain like a drug. It most closely resembles an antidepressant. And so you're right. You get a 12 hour mood boost from each exercise session. That's why people get addicted more so to the feeling of it. I always tell people the physical benefits will come. You'll, you'll get in shape, you'll lose weight, you look awesome, but when you feed, when you really talk to someone deep into fitness, you start realizing this is about your mental state, your emotional state. The fitness journey goes far beyond the physical body.
1: Okay, I, I agree with that. And I have some things to say about that in a second too. Well, I would also think like with your fitness, like to all those points, like for you, you know, it probably is also like you can control it, right? Like this is a career, like entertainment business, like this road you say you were going down you realize like I'm going down this wrong road and this business, you have no control over it. Like to your point, interview for the next job, because w- when fame is pulled away from you, it's, it's gone, right? Like you have no say over it. it's here and it's gone. And I would imagine with fitness, I mean, you control your own destiny.
0: That's absolutely true. And there's few things in life that we have control of really. And, yeah. and if you think about it, it's like actually kind of, amazing that fitness is not one of those things you get out of it exactly what you put into it. And it's a guarantee that you'll get in direct proportion what you put into it, you'll get back out of it. There's not a lot of things in life like that.
1: There's not a lot of things in life like that. What was working with Clive Davis like? I mean, in like growing up, who did you look up to in music? You know,
0: that was that was also a surreal moment in time because we're we're being, you know, we're on a private jet being taken to his mansion out in Westchester, and we're doing a private showcase for him and his unbelievable estate with a private movie theater. And we're and he's talking about maybe signing us. And he, you know, we had, you know, Simon Cowell was in a lot of those original meetings and took the idea of making the band and then went and did pop idol in the UK, and then of course American Idol here, but it was also you know his his background, launching the artists that he has: Whitney Houston, Janis Joplin. I mean, the it's a deep it's a it's a it's a deep roster of people that he's launched. So yeah. you sort of feel you're you're in the presence of a legend. Do you remember Tuesday, September
1: twentieth, twenty sixteen? Because we do, because it's the day This Is Us premiered. After more than seventy million of you watched our trailer and made our show go viral. I'm Mandy Moore.
0: I am Chris Sullivan, and I am Sterling Brown. We are your hosts of That Was Us, a rewatch podcast starting May 14th. Listen to our episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll be able to watch our episodes on the That Was Us YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: Oh, my God. I have to tell you guys, The Envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the LA Times. And listen, I'm so excited. Now you can hear Emmy-nominated actors and directors ahead of the big night. And you guys know I love the Grammys. I love... Listen, I love it all. I love the Oscars. I love every award show, which is one of the reasons why I love listening to The Envelope. But nothing is better for me, then the Emmys, TV is everything. September 12th is the big night for the Emmys. And now you can head to the envelope and you can listen to these actors and directors ahead of the big night. So listen, some of their upcoming guests include Bill Hader, Melanie Linsky, and coleman domingo from euphoria these guys at the envelope that are doing these interviews they're from the la times so you know if you think i know what i'm doing these guys are professionals you can download and listen to the envelope from the la times wherever you get your podcast catch up now because hey september 12th and the emmys are just only a few weeks away that's right the envelope is back with more podcast episodes from the la times you're in the presence of a legend how was your, like, you know, you mentioned your second reality show, which yes, was on MTV. What was that like? You know, like here you are trying to break out like, and you look at like Justin Timberlake and the music is much different and you're writing your shows, but you're still now on this MTV. It's not ABC, but you're on this MTV reality train. Like what was the actual reality show like?
0: Really challenging to be honest with you. Cause, and then that's why I was hesitant to do another one because as reality TV morphed, it started becoming more, they started figuring out, oh, there's a formula here and we can manufacture people's responses and we can push people from behind the scenes. And so people don't realize there's a director, there's a director on the set directing your quote, real life, but they're they're manipulating it and they're pushing you and prodding you and making you emotional and causing drama and stress to get it. And so it's like, my girlfriend was pregnant. That's already stressful. We have hidden cameras, hidden microphones, and people living in our basement, basically. Um, it was, again, the stress of that, the the pressure of trying to make something of myself outside of O-Town and launch this solo career. Yeah, and of course, comparing myself to people like Justin Timberlake, you know, the stress and the, the pressure that I was under was immense, and I think that's why... That was a that ended up being sort of a darker period for me when I went to tour on that album uh, let my, my single was called let You go it was the, one of the fastest charting singles of that year it exploded and now I'm out on tour again and you know that's again that's where I hit a wall and I realized I started turning to really unhealthy behaviors and looked at myself in the mirror and I was like if I don't make a change I'm gonna join the 27 club I'm gonna die as this young, Performer, like many have, and I, 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 had this epiphany moment where I knew I needed to, I needed to make a change, and for that reason, I think um, my perspective on even pursuing music after that really changed. That's why I pivoted into Broadway. Actually, I found the music industry uh, to be very, um, it, you know, between Lou Pearlman, who ended up being sued by NSYNC and Backstreet, um, I ended up being on Blackground Records, which. There was a, a lot of drama there. I, anyone's followed the, the story about Aliyah's music and JoJo. You know, there's been a lot of issues with them trying to get their music out. And my album, my solo album, just finally became available on digital platforms. It wasn't available for years. I just, there was so much out of my control that I just really honestly wanted to make a change. And after about 10 years in the music industry, I auditioned for Hairspray the Musical on Broadway. And what was a, what was going to be a short 12 week contract, um, really turned into me being re-signed five separate times. And I played that role for almost two years. And, you know, it was like, I see some people like that chase, like, basically you're competing with everyone in this industry. And if you have success, you can fall into this trap of just trying to squeeze every single drop out of it. And for me, I just said, I'm just going to go a different direction completely. And that's what Hairspray on Broadway was for me.
1: Well, I live in New York, so yes, I'm all about the Broadway. And I mean, I was going to say, right, it was supposed to be a very short gig and it lasted for, was there like, right, like Ron Perlman, like, I'm sure that wasn't, you know, a fun experience. Like, was there one thing, like you say, that really was the final straw of like looking in the mirror and saying like, I am doing all these bad habits and this business is like a tough business and right, like people try to just like you want to leave the party before the party leaves you, Right.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it was actually, uh, my album was called Soundtrack to Your Life, mm-hmm. and um, the single was called Let You Go, and we had about five songs on that album, I worked with Max Martin, who of course is is, is, is not a lot of people know Max Martin is the most decorated songwriter behind John Lennon and Paul McCartney, he wrote all of Backstreet Boys hits, all of Britney wow. Spears, so many in sync hits. And now today he's doing the weekend and he's, he's the most, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's like our generation's like Beethoven in pop music. And we had a single that I called I'm better. And the label did not want to release it. And we were fighting with the label over what, you know, what to release next as the single. And they wanted to go with a really slow ballad. And I wanted, and Larry Rudolph, my manager at the time, we both agreed it should be this song called I'm better. we were fighting with the label and, Again, you're just getting these situations where you realize you don't have control. You put three or four years of your life into an album. And when it comes time to pick the singles, even you're the singer, you're the face, you're the brand, but you have no control over it. And personally, I feel a lot of very bad decisions were being made marketing wise. And it was really a travesty. I mean, it was so close to that album. I poured my heart and soul into it and to to not have any control or to not have any say and I wasn't really treated that well after that. Um, and and it made me feel like the music industry is full of a lot of sharky people, uh, to be honest, completely honest with you. Between yeah. Lou Pearlman, Lou Pearlman died in jail. I mean, he was he was a con man and a criminal. And that was my first experience with Oatown. And now I'm on the se- second uh, chapter of my solo career, realizing I have no control over this, even though I've poured three, four years of my life into it. And that's why I was just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with the music industry. I'm, I've had 10 years of it. I want to explore again. It was always fitness, acting, and music for me. So Broadway was the perfect world that combined all of those things. you got to be athletic. You've got to be in shape because you're doing eight shows a week and you need a music and acting. You need to be the triple threat. And um, I I literally, I'll never forget auditioning for Link Larkin and they were like, will you cut your hair for this? And I was like, absolutely. And then it turned into five separate uh, contracts, I'd almost two years in that show. And then from there, I ended up playing Fiero in Wicked the Musical. And all in all, um, over 2,000 performances on Broadway and in two of the biggest shows in Broadway musical history. And it was literally absolutely phenomenal to pivot out of that world into this new world, which was also
1: a dream come true, to be honest did you go like searching for hairspray? You know what I mean? Or was it like you got a call, you got a job and it was supposed to be through? you know what I mean? Cause right, like Wicked, Hairspray, like there are worse productions to be associated <laughs> with. Like, was it this conscious pivot? Cause you know, it was fitness and everything or was it just kind of like, it just all kind of worked out that way?
0: I got, I got an agent really quickly when I was in O-Town because I, I wanted to keep leveling up. So I kept putting those feelers out there. And I got one of the best agents in Hollywood and I ended up being at the Gersh agency. And so they would they would send me auditions that were that I was right for. And it came through them. It was a request. And I think the people that cast me had seen me on um, on my show on MTV and they thought this is actually perfect. Uh, Link Larkin, if you know, Hairspray, the musical is a he's a teen breakout star on the corny collins show which is basically just patterned after dick clark and american bandstand and in a way that's kind of what making the band was it was this 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 new version in the world of boy band but i was the young teen you know star on the show and so it was like the perfect it was like very meta it was like a very and then when lance bass from nsync came and played corny collins and i'm link Larkin, then it was even more meta because now you have this World's Collide of NSYNC and O-Town and in the world of Hairspray. And uh, George Wendt from Sheers was in it at the time. And it was just, this, it was Tevin Campbell. It was just an absolute incredible cast at a time where there was literally, you couldn't even barely get tickets. It was standing room only. It was like a rock concert every night.
1: Are you shocked at how many, at how many people don't leave the music business? Cause like what you're saying, like, I know it, you know it, like most people in the business know it. There's lots of people that go on forever, but you don't like the people that are trying to squeeze out every drop and like no shade. But do you know what I mean? Like, are you shocked that most people because you don't really you just kind of hang on then as opposed to reinventing themselves and now and fitness, which we're gonna talk about in a second? Do
0: you know what the most addictive drug is?
1: It's fame. Yes, it's I, I say same. that on this podcast, I say that here all the time. No one believes me, but I a hundred percent agree. 100. Well, you
0: are so right on, and 100 percent. We're speaking the same language, and I, and I do think it's hard when you, when you achieve fame for a, uh, for a period of time, it can be very hard to let go of that. And I, I think that it's, it's also a mindset of understanding what's going on within you because you can, you can very easily fall into that trap of chasing that forever. And it takes a lot of courage, honestly and a lot of bravery to try something new. Um, And I always say life is an experiment. I, I, I I bring that mindset to my hair. I've tried every single hairstyle there is, but life in general is an experiment. I always say, I want to try everything at least once. I think the more you experiment in life, the more you start figuring out, you know, your path and it's, it's, you can't do that when you just stay stuck in the same thing forever. Um, And that's my, so, you know, for me, hairspray was like this pivotal moment where You know, uh, being the guy from the boy band that, you know, for instance, a lot of people considered was a manufactured situation because making the band was. um, I just felt like Hairspray was my moment to really prove myself outside of that. And at first, it might have even been considered what they call like a stunt cast, right? because I was obviously coming fresh from this MTV show. But when I got re-signed five times and I did the role for two years and now I'm up for Wicked the Musicals, Fierro and all these other things, it's like, oh, Ashley Parker Angel isn't just this pinup from J-14 and from, you know, Pop Star Magazine. He's actually a legitimate Broadway talent. And for me, that was, that was very exciting to be able to
1: um, achieve that. Uh, I would agree. So when you before you move on to your fitness, when you say like fame is the most powerful drug, which I agree, you've been on two reality shows plus, I mean, what do you think? I mean, look at the reality genre today, and like what it does. Now we have fame, without really any skills, so to speak. I mean, lots of shows do have skills, but lots of them don't. And that's gotta be even more addicting.
0: It, it's celebrity just based on, you know, celebrity and being on TV, right? It's a lot of the shows, while they're very entertaining, um, They there's not as many talent-based shows anymore, but it's it spawned this unbelievable genre where it's turning people into celebrities. But you see that people don't become the huge stars anymore that they did. Like, I hate to say it, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I can't remember the most recent person that won the voice. And I don't know if they ever had a single on the radio or not. Maybe if they did, I apologize, but it's almost becoming, it's almost just becoming this recycled. Now it's the new season of the new TV drama, but it's not spawning a real career outside of that anymore. And it seems like the contestants tend to disappear. I don't know if, I don't know if you feel that way or not, but American Idol year after year, as it went on, you start kind of like, you're, you're sort of, You you feel like these people are a little bit more pawns than they ever were before. Where we're going to use you for the season and then we'll be on to the next season and you'll kind of be forgotten about pretty quickly, is how it feels.
1: I say that on here all the time, too. I mean, we know Carrie Underwood, you know, I'm a Broadway person, and my friend Constantine Maroulis, you know, we know, right? I love Constantine, he's great, he's a very good friend of mine. Right. So we know Kelly Clarkson, but yes, I mean, I couldn't name you, and this is my business. I couldn't name you an American Idol or a voice winner from the past. I don't even know. I would even say maybe 10 years if you paid me millions of dollars. So that's, there you go. That's-
0: that's what I mean. And it's like, and, and I was just actually, I just saw Constantine at Ryan Cabrera's wedding. We caught up. We, we have a lot in common because of Broadway and being out me living out in New York through the years, but that's, see, that's the time in which I remember watching American idol and being like, this is so, you know, and as it went on and on and on, it felt like they were disposable. And so I think we're kind of reaching that point now where it does feel like it is, it is, it, it's, it's disposable.
1: I think so. So how did you go from Broadway to saying like, you know, you were always into fitness, like, okay, this is going to be my full-time career.
0: Well, that pivot happened out of my solo career, but then into Hairspray, I realized that like, I had to take care of myself like a peak performance athlete, because I'll tell you having been a touring recording artist, a pop star from a boy band and then doing more of a pop rock thing as the front man of a band with my solo career my hardest gig ever was broadway because you do eight shows a week there is a pressure to be quite honestly there's a pressure to be perfect i mean they're looking for flawless i mean you have uh, when you're on broadway the pressure is this will be a broadway level performance eight shows a week you start doing that for a year or longer and you have to take care of yourself and so um, through the years, I'd worked with a lot of different coaches in nutrition and fitness, but also peak performance coaches and like vocal coaching and acting. And there were a lot of common threads in all of that. And I just started really leveling up in my own mindset about what peak performance uh, looked like. And um, really, honestly, about 2013, I started doing these 90 days of fitness challenges on Instagram where at first people were like, Why are you in your underwear? Why are you why are you half naked in these shots? And I, I don't think people realized that again, that was a five to 10 year vision of I'm gonna tell this story because, and even though I booked Wicked and I was a Fierro on tour and then on Broadway, I was building a health and wellness company alongside of that. And uh, I've always really respected people like Mark Wahlberg and you know, Jessica Simpson, who has her shoe line and Jessica Alba with the Honest Company and Gwyneth Paltrow with Goop. And I've always thought that way and had an entrepreneurial spirit. So the 90 days of fitness is uh, represented like, let me show people what's possible when you live this lifestyle.
1: And what do people, I mean, besides not hiring you up until this interview, of course, like what do people do wrong the most like when someone comes to you i mean i've looked at your website i see the before and after pictures they speak for themselves so like your people that work with you are in good shape like what do people do wrong in the just fitness day to day
0: you know it's it's i just saw like a recent study that by like the year 2030 they're predicting that half the population will be considered obese and i think one of the biggest issues is food uh, the, cur- the commercial food market has so much crap in it and the processed foods that people think they it, it looks healthy. They're tricking you in the marketing, you know, and you buy these things and you eat them out of bags and boxes and people. It sounds simple, but people literally just don't know how to eat healthy anymore. And I've helped people who are injured who can only walk. Just clean up their diet and, for instance, lose 30 pounds in 12 weeks. Um, The power of nutrition is so strong. And it sounds simple, sounds basic. It sounds like people would know how to do it. But there's a lot of tricky marketing out there that makes people feel like what they're eating and what they're buying is healthy when it's actually not.
1: And what about the people? I mean, is that, well, so eat this. What about, you know, day two? You're not there at 8 a.m. and someone's like, I just want this donut or muffin or whatever it is. Like,
0: You can work that in and see, my whole approach is you don't have to be extreme, just consistent. It's surprising that like about something like 75% of the people in the United States don't exercise at all. So, you know, when you move your body instead of the word exercise, I like the word movement. When you get movement in you can still work in a donut here or there. I have cheat meals. Sometimes I have a cheat day, but I get active. And so I burn it off. And that's kind of where it's amazing that, for, you know, it's getting people motivated and staying accountable to actually work out. And so I started taking on one-on-one clients after my last Broadway show. And I decided this is the direction I'm going. And that was in 2019. And I started um, promoting myself. And all of a sudden, I had thousand people on this wait list. And I was like, whoa, there's a real demand for this. And then I started helping hundreds of people get into shape and then COVID hit and then it made it worse. You know, people couldn't go to the gym. People were stuck in their houses and I had already built this online movement, but then it was just accelerated by COVID and it exploded. To be honest, I had more demand than I could keep up with. Um, And I decided to keep leveling up in my own talent stack. I did a year long certification program. I got certified as a coach. I started teaching people peak performance and building this online. It's called the High Level Performance Academy. And now I've had hundreds of people come through. I've helped people lose 100 pounds plus. And it's just, um, it's been a calling for me for a long time. And I think the reason why I decided to like go full time with it was because I didn't want people to think that this was just, something I was lending my name to, you know, like this is, Oh, now he's got a fitness app, which I do, but this has been a 25 year fitness journey that I've been on. And I've been a full time health and wellness coach now for for four years. So it's, it's been an incredible part of my life and the feedback I get from people. Like you changed my life. I feel like I'm making a real impact in the world.
1: Did you see a shift of like, I imagine when you first started doing it, maybe I'm wrong you know, before this was your business and this is what you were known for and you reinvented yourself. Did you have that like, well, I'm an O-Town fan, so I'll buy three sessions. I imagine like, did you see this shift of like, well, now nobody even knows I was in O-Town or wants to talk about that. They're just looking at, you know, I mean, I I imagine you would have. Yeah,
0: it's interesting because I would say like about 90% of the people that come into my program now are discovering me for fitness. And they know, they might know, they're like, oh yeah, I put this together. You were that guy. But only about 10% of the people in the group, I would say, were actually, like, maybe fans back in the day. But by the way, I love that, too, because you never know, you know, how you'll cross paths with people. So even the people that did follow my career, like, I've actually been coaching people longer than I was actually in O-Town. And it's kind of crazy to think that because time moves so quickly. But it's been over four years I've been coaching people and making a name for myself in this world and getting a lot of traction in it has been again it's been a pivot from and I celebrate my past so if anybody's a fan and they want to come join the high level performance academy you're more than welcome we we do a lot of fun things and I keep because my background's in entertainment I keep it really fun for people but yeah it's by and large the people coming into it now don't really know about O-Town as much as you would think
1: I love it how was Ryan Cabrera's wedding? I know the members of O-Town were there, you guys reunited and any, any fun, exciting stuff. I have not talked to Constantine yet, so I don't know anything that happened.
0: I said, I literally sat like two seats away from Constantine and we were just so catching funny. up. Yeah. Just catching up about everything. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I don't get a chance to keep in touch with the O-Town guys as much because my life's gone in a different direction. Um, there's also been a bit of uh There's also been a bit of difficulty, I'll say, between me and and one member of the band that was formerly my best friend in the band. And that's been tough to navigate because it was a personal connection that I felt I lost when I moved moved on and my career went a different direction. Um, And I, I get it, I think when you're in a band, there's always gonna be some friendly competition with each other. I always wanted to keep it, emphasis on the word friendly, friendly competition. But um, this was the first time I had a chance to be with four guys. Dan wasn't there, but was with the four of us. And it felt like we could just enjoy each other's company and reminisce and pick you sort of pick up right where you left off.
1: Totally. And I know you said, like, look, this is your new career. I know you said, like, they're playing a show near where you live in Vegas and you'll be hanging out backstage. And I know, you know, look, they reunited in 2013, you decided not to, which is great. Like, what do you think when you hear of like people, like we mentioned like a Justin Timberlake who says like, I like, you're, you're at least now saying like maybe one day and that's okay. This is your new job. But like when like a Justin Timberlake says like, it's never going to happen guys.
0: <laughs> you
1: For know, insane.
0: I, I, yeah, right. And I think, you know, they did that brief they did a brief reunion performance, I think on the VMAs, was just a short little thing. And that's kind of where I think I'm at. It would be a very one-off thing. I mean, I'm, I'm open to celebrating it because that's such a great time in my life. And by the way, the fans ask me so much, would you ever get on stage and do some of these songs, you know? And it's like, yeah, I would, because I'm like, I'm just, I'm celebrating my life and it would be a fun thing. I think for the fans, if if we could celebrate that time and maybe sing all or nothing together at the same time, my life has moved in a, in a, in a different direction. I run my own company now and I, I, I can't, I can't take off to be in a band full time, but it's, it's something I celebrate and it's something that I look back on with a lot of like, that was a huge success in my life. So like, why would I not celebrate that?
1: Totally. Well, listen, when we started, I know you said, and we both agree, you know, fitness is, it's all about the mind. It clears the mind. And you say like the six pack washboard abs is on the side and just a nice benefit. So now, you know, let's take a deep dive into your Instagram. You mentioned like these like pictures in your underwear, where did these, like, how did this become a part of your IG? And I'm not personally complaining about it. I'm just asking. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I am a self-respecting gay man. So like, I'm not, I mean, when, when did these pictures start on your IG?
0: I, pre- I appreciate you. And that's a great question because a lot of people were like asking a lot of questions. Why are you posting these underwear pictures? And I always loved the, you know, I grew up a big fan of Marky Mark first and then Mark Wahlberg's career. And I always thought his Calvin Klein ad really sparked. Now you've seen Justin Bieber do that. DJ Calvin Harris has done underwear ads, and I I wanted to tell the story of fitness, Um, and I think it's hard to do that without showcasing your own transformations, and so, but I I will say I'm, I'm really, I'm not hung up on the human body, and I know that some people get a little bit, you know, they get a little bit taken aback by the photos, I guess that's a way to say it. And I've never felt that way. Like I can easily live in a nudist colony. I celebrate the human body. I'm very open. I've also been, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like, I like, you know, celebrating my fitness success and showing it off. Like, here's what's possible. You know, I just turned 40. Here's what's possible when you live this health and wellness lifestyle. And, um, and in, in conjunction with building this fitness brand, telling my own transformation story has been really important for me. And by the sense. way, be great. Be great to book a Calvin Klein underwear ad. I'm just throwing that out there. As a Calvin Klein people, if you're watching, I'm, I'm up for. a am up for a campaign. Just just putting that out there.
1: I'm not so sure that that's so impossible. I mean, like for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen your IG, take a deep dive. And I'm not so listen let me tell you who's listening to this podcast. Now we have one straight man probably in the middle of somewhere in the country and we have (laughs) 99% women and we have about the other percent gay men. So for the one straight man out there listening, we love you and all the others are probably going to go look at your Instagram right now. I love
0: love that. And I mean, I believe that's my Instagram uh, demographic as well. And I love that. And to be honest with you, I I was putting those pictures out there on Instagram, hoping I might book a, an underwear campaign because for me, this is becoming like such a big part of my life that that was also part of it. Like I'm hoping maybe someone from to exist or maybe someone from Calvin Klein is going to see these pictures because I'd love to do a, a, an underwear campaign.
1: Well, and I also think like, it's good, you know, like, I mean, you're not the only one, but like, and I'm not saying 40 is old, trust me. Cause I mean, if that's, but you know, I think it's good to show like, Hey, this is 40. Like it's not, life is not over. Yeah. To people,
0: It's not what people in this day and age, it's not what it was for our parents. No offense totally. to our parents, but it's just, you know what I mean? Like we know a lot more about how to take care of ourselves. So when they say that like 40 is the new 30 or 40 is the new 20, I actually think there's a lot of truth to that.
1: I think so too. What about, you know, because there's these pictures of you in your underwear when like, you know, if you Google your name, there's lots of things, Broadway, O-Town fitness, but then, you know, there is a lot of this, like Ashley Parker, Parker Angel, is he gay, gay, gay. Like there's all these gay rumors out there. What do you think about when you see things like that, which I imagine is because of you, you know, having a good body and being in shape and being into fitness.
0: I, I understand the question so much because my background is, look, I'm, I came from a, a boy band, right? I'm in music, I'm in dancing and, and I'm in Broadway. And so I, I actually really, to be honest, I love, I love the community that supports me, all of the communities that support me. And I think also too, I think this generation, I think we're moving to a place where we're not labeling things as much if that makes sense, you know, I think sometimes the labeling is actually what's what causes what causes division among people. So I don't like to put labels on things. I've never liked to put myself in any box, personally.
1: That makes a lot of sense. What about, you know, when I tell people, you know, who I'm interviewing for the week, when it came to you, the number one thing that people wanted to know is, you know, would you ever do, you know, maybe an OnlyFans account? I guess. I,
0: if I showed you my DMs right now, I don't have my phone near me. I would literally pull it up and show you. That's like the number one question I get. Um, And again, like I actually, it's interesting because there seems to be, and you tell me your opinion on this. There seems to be more mainstream people going to OnlyFans because I, I think, again, I think the walls are kind of coming down a little bit and you've seen leaked, you've seen leaked photos of Justin Bieber and you've seen, remember the leaked photo of Orlando Bloom? with Katy Perry. I mean, he's fully out there. And at this point you could just Google these pictures and it's like, I, I've, I've really always been very open-minded, maybe a bit of an uh, exhibitionist. I, I like, again, I like the human body and I celebrate it. So I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen. Um, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen.
1: And when you get DMs, this is like one of the main things. See, I mean, I, I thought my listeners and like my, my friends actually are the what's I'm like, wow, this is what you want me to ask. That's like the number one thing you get asked in your DMs. Uh,
0: it is. And I'll it's, it's not, not going to happen. If that, <laughs> it's not, not going to happen. And I'll let people take from that
1: what they will. I like it. Well, you know, like you say, like, I mean, maybe he's not the best example, but like Aaron Carter, if we're keeping it in like the, I mean, he has an OnlyFans. And you mean, you say you're an entrepreneur, you want maybe to exist or Calvin Klein, like I'm an entrepreneur too. And listen, when there's money on the table to be made, I'm just saying, I would think if my crystal ball were working, your OnlyFans might be a successful, lucrative business opportunity.
0: Well, thank you. And I actually think if I did it, it could be sort of bent towards uh emphasis on physique and also fitness you know because like the ESPN body issue is a great each year it comes out and you have the the world's biggest athletes and they're all nude they're all naked it's all very OnlyFans actually uh when you put the filter on it that it's the ESPN body issue you look at it a different way but it's OnlyFans style photos of the biggest Olympic athletes in the world so I think if I did it, I could, I could have like even a fitness bent. I will tell you, I recently got robbed. My car was broken into, they stole my laptop and I was, I take a lot of provocative photos and I was very concerned that they would leak. So if anybody's listening to this, I will pay you good money. If you have my laptop, I need it back. There were a lot of photos on there.
1: (laughs) I know that you recently got robbed. I saw that they broke into your car and they took, I knew they took your computer and had all your personal stuff and it wasn't backed up, but I didn't realize there were provocative photos. Would you like to elaborate at all about how provocative and what these entails?
0: <laughs> well, it was well, since, since you, since you bring it up, since we're on the topic of uh, only fans, there's, there's been some outtakes that I've, I've played around with. Um, and again, I mean, it's like, it's crazy because you see that like you see where you see where the mainstream is going and, And there's been some very big people now that have they haven't launched the OnlyFans, but they've purchased their profile, Um, you know, some big some big celebrities. And so I think like I I think there might be a, a, a you know, there's I take a lot of underwear photos. So there might be a couple tip slips in those. And there's definitely some pictures that I was nervous the outtakes would maybe leak out. And I'm like, well, damn, if they leak, then my OnlyFans is out there already. Shit. They got my laptop with all of my my outtakes.
1: Well, you know, do you have a possible date for this? It's not not going to happen. I think is how you phrased it. Is there a date for this? It's not not going to happen date. It's,
0: it's not, it's not not gonna happen. Um, and I would say in terms of a, a, a date, I, you know, I've, I've really focused on helping people like look and feel their best in clothes and without clothes. And so for me, I do feel it might be like a natural evolution for me. And I, I think in some ways, like you heard, I think there was, there was one person that launched an OnlyFans and then her agency, like, was it Bella Hadid or she like, she got dropped by her agency and then they re-signed her again. And so I think I'm trying to just also be smart about like, where is, what would the, what would, what would the reaction be? Um, less, less that I care about being out there like that. Because to be honest with you, I love it. Um, and I celebrate it. But it's also too, I do have an agency. I'm, I'm at Gersh. like. I I would wonder what would the reaction be? Like, what would people, would would I get dropped from my agency? I don't know. I sort of feel again that society's moving the direction where that's not going to be as big of a deal. I'm predicting in the next two to three years, I think you're going to see mainstream celebrities going on OnlyFans. You do. I do, yeah. I mean, there's already some big ones on there, but I think it's just going to keep going that direction personally.
1: And I mean, if you think about it, I think it's already come. Like when OnlyFans first started, I was like, how is this even going to like exist? Like, you know, for like anyone mainstream, even like a little bit mainstream. And then little by little, you're like, holy shit. Like people are actually on here that are well-known. Like, like. Yes.
0: Yes. And like, and, and some big models and some very big actors now. And I think there was another singer. There was a singer that just joined. Um, And I think, uh, was it Mike? Was it Michael B. Jordan purchased a,
1: yeah, purchase so. the
0: profile on there. Yeah, so there's like it's you're going to see it start trickling
1: in. Do you have I mean even though fitness is your full-time gig and that keeps you busy like do you want to do more music? Do you want to do another Broadway show? I mean both are very time consuming.
0: They are. They're very time consuming compared to even only fans, right? So <laughs> So, you know, you also think about the OnlyFans lifestyle, people are just working from their home now and making 40 million a year. So, but right now I'm really focused on, I'm focused on building a health and wellness lifestyle brand and everything that goes with that. I'm the CEO of a business now and I'm helping hundreds of people level up. And that's not quite like an entertainment gig, right? Like that can't end and come back. Like I have to keep that, I have to keep building this and it's exciting and it's, been an amazing opportunity to chat about it with you because i think when people go to my instagram and they discover it it's this new chapter i've been on that not, that people are discovering
1: and coffee where we started i mean where do you say coffee i guess is okay i know you're a big coffee person and let's just throw alcohol in there too like for those of us that like to drink vodka
0: vodka club soda is the fitness enthusiast drink of choice that's what i course. heard We all know we don't want to be drinking, you know, all day, every day, but I I really firmly believe we don't have to be extreme again, just consistent. So use it as a reward. I really love just the, the normal week flow of like crush your goals Monday through Friday. And when happy hour comes, have a cheat meal. And if that means a cheat drink, you know, we, we don't, we're, we're adults, you know, we can enjoy life. And I think when you earn it, when you actually earn those rewards, it's so much better um, to keep it a reward for a job well done with coffee. I go black because it's the sugars and the creams here. that add the calories. And I, I, a lot of people are still are discovering Stevia more. Stevia is your best friend. They have it at Starbucks as well. Get three Stevia in a venti coffee with a splash of almond milk. Don't go sugar because sugar's of course, terrible for our bodies. Stevia is actually sweeter than sugar with no calories. It's also why I drink these. This is not an ad. I'm not. I'm not uh, getting anything for this. But I drink Zevia because it's they have every soda flavor you could imagine, and it's no calories, and it tastes just like mainstream soda now. But it's sweetened with stevia. So I tell people, stevia is your best friend if you have a sweet tooth.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean that's why I started drinking black coffee just right from the get go, and why I drink like vodka in a martini glass. It's like you got to just do pure and pure if you're going to do either. Right. Cut the the sugars. Yeah, it just
0: comes down to cutting the sugars. It's if you can stop drinking your sugar, and whether that's an alcoholic drink or in your coffee or soda, you will instantly start to lean out and lose weight. Sugar is absolutely terrible for us.
1: That's what I hear. Three very quick questions before we wrap up. Has anyone ever come up to you? And just said, Oh my God, I'm a huge O Town fan. Like you said, you don't deny your past. Where it's like, you know, a Jennifer Aniston or a Bright, like someone that we would never expect that you're like, you know, every word to every O Town song. Like you're just, I you know, you just wouldn't expect it.
0: Um, no, actually. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I got, um, you know, I got, we got a lot of that, of course, through the years. And, you know, we, in terms of like big celebrities, like I do remember. Susan Sarandon was a big fan, and, and, I, and I was close with her daughter, Eva, for a little while. We were sort of dating, and, you know, I, I feel like that was a, that was cool because I, I grew up being a big fan of Susan Sarandon, and there's an amazing story in my life where she invited me to Michael Jackson's reunion concert with Jackson 5, and I went there with her and um, watched Michael reunite with Jackson 5 right in front of me at Madison Square Gardens, and But lately, I'll tell you, it's what's interesting is I get recognized now more for Instagram than anything. And more people are running up to me asking, like, when I'm launching OnlyFans, (laughs) to be completely honest with you.
1: Well, that's good. It means like your reinvention into fitness and high level performance as a coach has really worked. Thank you. Anything interesting happened backstage with Michael Jackson? Like, did you interact? I mean, you were with Susan Sarandon. (laughs)
0: We didn't. I interacted with Macaulay Culkin, which was an interesting moment. And all the people were there that you would think of associated to Michael, Elizabeth Taylor, all of these people. Um, interacted that night, though, with, uh, with, with, with the brothers. And that was pretty cool. So Jermaine Jackson, I spent a lot of time talking with him. And Jermaine is really interesting. I mean, they're all an interesting entertainment family. But I spent, we, there was an after party and I spent the whole night with Jermaine and that was really cool.
1: Any, and what happened with Macaulay Calkin? Anything? Just hello,
0: Bye-bye. Yeah, that was an awkward conversation for some reason. I don't know if, I thought it was me, but then later I was like, no, that was him. I thought I was being awkward, but there was, some, he was just very quiet. Um, there, And maybe just the effects of fame and, and being talked to by people was just not a, you know, it was a, wasn't a great conversation as I remember it, but Jermaine and I really bonded about being in a boy band because Jackson 5, of course, being the ultimate boy band, um, and there was a lot in common there with what it was like to be in a boy band and five guys and all of that. And you know, it's it's um, it's 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 interesting. The the I could tell you a lot of stories about a lot of celebrities. Um, one of my favorite things was being with George Wendt, who was Norm on Cheers, and when he was in Hairspray. You know, we'd go to New York bars and grab a drink, and to be next to Norm from Cheers in a bar. It's like you are the big, he's the biggest celebrity in any bar you could ever imagine because Cheers takes place in a bar. And it was so fun to be with, we go out every night after the show. And if you go out with a cast member of Cheers to a bar, it is the best night of your life. Every time everyone's buying you drinks and shots. And I've had some really interesting celebrity interactions
1: through the years. They're like, he's literally treated like bigger than like a Beyonce or whoever. Cause he was on. Yes. Cheers
0: yes it's like the president of the united states is there
1: well listen the next time you come back we can talk about fitness and all of your celebrity encounters too but before we go final question if you have to choose backstreet in sync or new kids i have to ask
0: you know man that's a good question so backstreet in sync new kids Woo! oh that's a tough choice that's a tough choice well I have, I got a chance to work with Max Martin on my solo career and he wrote so many hits for Backstreet that I have to say after just seeing, I just was hanging out with Brian. I had him over to my house for dinner here in Vegas, him and his wife, very lovely. And we have a lot of connections because of Lou Pearlman and the boy band years. And I went and saw the Backstreet show in Vegas. It is just hit after hit after hit. It's like 32 tracks of just hit songs, some of them you might've even forgotten about, but you find yourself singing along to them. So um, I love, I love Backstreet. They were sort of the original to come back after new kids. And uh, the, the songs like, I love Lance though. I'm so close with Lance from NSYNC. He's actually, to be honest of any guy from any boy band, I'm closest with Lance because we were in Hairspray together. Um, so I really feel bad saying Backstreet because at the time Backstreet was out, I was an NSYNC fan because I felt like NSYNC had more dance moves and it was a more fun, high energy show where Backstreet had the, the ballads and the really good mid tempos. You know, Sync had the high energy songs, but Backstreet has the catalog of hits. If, yeah. if
1: I do. Right. You know what I mean? Have you met Lance's twins yet?
0: I haven't met them in person, though. No. We were just talking about it, though, because well, I saw him at Ryan Cabrera's wedding, and then I went with him to the opening of uh, Lisa Van- Vanderpump's new spot here in Vegas, and they're, they're getting, getting very little sleep right now as new parents, and I remember him and Michael, You know, they're, they're, they're going through it right now with, with very, this time of taking care of an infant is the most challenging time.
1: I could imagine. Well, listen, I already have like a thousand questions for you next time. I mean, we're we're like ending with Lisa Vanderpomp. I mean, there's so much to talk about next time. So don't so come much. back. And like I could go on forever. Where
0: know, can
1: where can everyone find you who, you know, wants to? And again, like I've looked at your before and after pictures of your clients, and it's like I'm like, oh my God, like thank these you. people are all getting in good shape. I might thank be reaching you. out to you at some point. You know, it's I like. Love it for real. Thank,
0: thank you. I appreciate that. I would love to work with you and you know, it's been so fun and I so people can find me at Ashley Parker Angel. If you just search Ashley Parker Angel on Instagram, my name will pop up. Um and I also just created, which we didn't get into, I'll just throw it out super yeah, quick. Yeah, sure. You can def- mention
1: anything thing. you want.
0: An affordable solution for people that um, you know, maybe budget-wise one-on-one coaching, maybe isn't in the cards, but they want an affordable solution to learn my method and lose weight and get in shape and feel fantastic. I launched an app and you can check it out at ashleyparkerangel.app, A-P-P, ashleyparkerangel.app. It's only a dollar to get started. And then it's 14 bucks a month. And I'm, I'm, I give you all my tips and tricks. It's not one-on-one coaching, but you can reach out to me and ask questions and I'll get you started right away. And it's really affordable for people. You got nothing to lose.
1: I saw that when I went to your link tray, I was like, wait, is this only a dollar? I was like, how does this work? I was, oh. Yeah.
0: It's only a dollar to start because again, you know, people coming from different places and I, I love helping people. And I just wanted to create an, a, 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 an affordable solution for just even the average person. Cause I talk to a lot of people and they think I can't afford this. I can't afford to invest in myself with the coach. Well, now you can, it's a dollar to get started.
1: Also, I mean, just right before we go, cause I mean, you mentioned like the proof is in the pudding, like, and you are in great shape, but you are. Well, how do you feel about trainers? Like you go to the gym, you see all these trainers. Like when the trainers are not in shape, there's so many of them that are not in shape. You're
0: speaking my language. It is so frustrating. It's really frustrating. Cause I mean, I think in any type of coaching field, you want to choose a coach who has what you want. And there's so many people out there that are quote, personal trainers that you're like, do you know what you're talking about? Because you don't seem to be living the lifestyle. And I think it's, an, I think authenticity and integrity is very important. So if you don't see someone like, li- like living that lifestyle, like eating, sleeping, breathing it, like, how are you going to teach people to do that?
1: Yeah. And like, I guess in certain professions, it's different. Like I know doctors make bad patients and blah, 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 but I never understand when I'm at the gym and not one, not two, but like 98% of these trainers at these major gyms, I'm like, none of them are in shape. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're in okay, normal shape, which is fine, but not when you're paying and making like a real commitment to this, you want like the ultimate,
0: (laughs) Exactly. I never want to eat at a restaurant with a skinny chef. You know, it's like, I
1: want
0: somebody who's experienced and knows what they're doing. And there's certain, again, with fitness, there's so many people out there. You go, like you said, to a gym and you check out the the roster of talent, so to speak. And the trainers many times are very out of shape. Uh, You know what it is? It becomes sales for them. And a lot of them are A little bit of a slick car salesman vibe you get when you sit down at the desk and actually talk to them. They're trying to sell you on something. They're not actually living it. And I think that's why my, I think also too, just to add to that, that's why my Instagram is the way it is. Because I felt like, are people going to take, as a pop star, as a Broadway star, will people take me seriously? That's why 10 years ago I started showing my own transformation and my own physique results, not just for some vanity reason, but because I also wanted to be authentic in this space and be taken credibly. And like you said, there's no better way to do that than to show that you are the proof in the pudding.
1: That's seems that's, that's what I think. So
0: yeah.
1: Listen, awesome. That I'm not trying to cut you short. I could stay here for three hours, no, but I'm being, being respectful Absolutely. of your time. Yes, But and, next
0: and- yeah, absolutely. We'll do it again in the future.
1: You'll come back because we can talk more about fitness. And like, I mean, listen, there's a lot of listeners here that love Housewives. So like, I want to hear about Lisa Vanderpump and what happened. Yes. And I know I know, you live in Vegas, which is a whole nother conversation. So anytime you want, the door is wide open. So, thank but you. Ev- everyone needs David, to follow you. It's like,
0: such, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me
1: on. This has been great. I really appreciate your time and taking an hour plus. So thank you.
0: Yes, Likewise. We'll do it again soon.
1: Keep in touch.
0: Likewise.
1: Bye.
0: Bye, thank you, we'll talk soon.
1: Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope, because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, 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 on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing,